We celebrate all holidays here because every day is a holy day. But the reason that religions have holidays is to express symbolically what can otherwise not be understood by the ego mind. Using actual conditions of the physical universe in order to express some very deep insights into the nature of reality that were conferred by the Supreme Being. So there's a little-known Shiva cult that was a late arrival on the scene in human history that left India and entered into the Middle East and the people who were Shiva worshippers became known later as Jews. (coughs) And the name Jehovah and Shiva, one derives from the other. (coughs) And this happens to be the main holiday of this Shiva worshipping group called Rosh Hashanah. Shana is an interesting term. It's used now to mean the year, the head of the year, the new year. But it doesn't happen at the beginning of the year. This happens to be the new moon of Tishrei. Tishrei is the seventh month. (coughs) It's no accident that the seventh month is the new year. In fact, it's very interesting that this is also called the time of Tshuva, which means the return to God. And Shuva comes from Shiva, who is the God they are returning to. And the other meaning of the word Shiva in Hebrew is seven. When someone dies, they, the people who are members of the surviving family sit for seven days and they call that sitting Shiva. No accident. The new moon represents the time of darkness when the ego is ascendant and the spirit is in eclipse. The days of the 10-day period from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, which is the day of atonement or attunement, is the time of what are known as the Yomim Noraim, the days of terror, the days of awe. The Shana represents not just the year, but it represents the entire cycle of time, which in the ancient world was known as the Great Year. And so Rosh Hashanah actually represents the end of the old year as well as the beginning of the new, because time is cyclical. And it was well known that at the end of time would be the apocalyptic days, the days of terror, but also the days of miracle, the days of awe, because we are not only returning to God, but God is returning to us. And in these days of return, 
this period, which represents what we call, what in India the yogis call Sangam Yuga, the time between the end of Kali Yuga and the beginning of the next Sat Yuga, is that time when one's entire destiny is determined for the next year. And so the greeting at the time of Rosh Hashanah is Lashana Tova Tikotevu, meaning may you be inscribed in the book of life for the next cycle of time. Not just in this life, but for the entire kalpa. And what does it mean to be inscribed in the book of life? It's not about living biologically. It's about living in the mind of God, living as a celestial being, and entering the time of the rebirth of the world after the death of Kali Yuga, which is the coming again of the Garden of Eden. And so Rosh Hashanah is considered the birthday of Adam and Eve because they will be reborn, meaning human beings will be reborn in the image of God in our pure form, not as egos, not as physical beings, but as beings of light who live in a world of a much finer vibrational frequency than the one that we are in right now. But to be part of that world, to be inscribed in the book of life that includes the Garden of Eden, which doesn't end in a few days as the Torah states it, but lasts for thousands of years, requires that our own frequency rise beyond the ego to the supernal light, and that we become beings of light, the eternal light, the ner tamid in the Jewish tradition, such as a a light like this, but that is traditionally put above the Ark, but this was happening before there was an Ark of the Covenant, before there was a written Torah, when the Israelites would worship the flame. And the flame represents the Shiva Lingam, the eternal form of the Supreme Being, as the zero point that is the source of all light, all warmth, all energy, all power, all truth, because light is also a symbol of truth. And so we are to become that light. But in Kali Yuga, our light has been extinguished. We have lost our inner light, and we have been living in the false, reflected light of ego consciousness. And now we must return to find the inner light again and let go of all of the false lights which are the fragments of the ego, the superego, the fantasies, the jouissances, the false thrills that have been the fuel of the ego in Kali Yuga. Those are the sins that we must be released from during this period. That's what the Day of Atonement means, the final day of this period in which there is a fasting and in which one prays, one repents, one sacrifices one's ego to prepare to be worthy of the new year, the new life, the new age that is to come. And so we are living now through the reality that is symbolized by that holiday. This is that time period that the holiday represents. 
And so every day is Rosh Hashanah. Every day is Yom Kippur. Every day is a day of awe. And if we are not in awe and in terror of losing our contact with God and falling back into the ego, then we are not approaching this time accurately. It is a time to be in absolute humility and surrender to God. Interestingly, you're not allowed to eat nuts on this holiday. The word for nuts in Hebrew is egos. <laughs> and why is it an ego? It's because it has a hard shell. And we're not allowed to have a hard shell on these things. Yes, it's a fact. You're allowed to eat apples dipped in honey. No nuts. You're not allowed to be an ego or to consume egoic nutrition. And again, all nutrition is symbolic. It's the signifier that we eat. And so we must recommend to ourselves the sweetness of God's love and ingest that and not anything hard. We must let go of our own hardness of heart. And so on this seventh day that represents the seventh chakra and the seventh month that is the end of the cycle of time, we are in a process of completely releasing ourselves from all of the egoic enmeshments and asking to be forgiven for all the vows that we have failed to keep, particularly our yogic vows. There's a prayer called Kol Nidre, all the vows, and we ask God, forgive us for not keeping those vows accurately. And if that plea for forgiveness is sincere enough and deep enough, and it's accompanied by a determination to keep the vow. And what is the vow? The main vow is the first mitzvah or commandment to love God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy might. To keep that commandment and to let go of all of the superego commands that force us to violate our love for God. The Shana is the cycle of time, but the word historically goes back to Krishana. And Krishana is the avatar, who is the incarnation of God, from which Christo, Christ, is the later incarnation. This means we are to become as God, not different. To be made in the image of God is to be actually the embodiment of the presence of God without any interference from any egoic mind. It is that ultimate state of non-duality, but non-duality that comes from surrender to God, who is both external and internal.
And so long as there is an ego, God must be worshipped and surrendered to. Until through that surrender and that love, God and you become one again. In a oneness that is recognized as being eternal, beyond this illusion of time and space. And that at that level of transcendent reality has never been broken, never been lost. And all of this is just a dream in which we were led to experience the separation from God, to know firsthand what that would be like. And all of the horror, all of the suffering, all of the pain that that has caused us is but a dream, and we can let go of it at any moment and again be in bliss. And in meditation, we recognize that and we return. We do the act of tshuva, the act of return that brings us back into the realization of the blissful Supreme Self. When the will to return to God is unimpeded by any contrary desires, it happens instantaneously. You can allow tonight to be that instant and be free to begin the new year, the new cycle, the new age, and be the light unto the world that is still in dark.